welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome man. Yo, yo, ah, uh, now. Fucker. Tune in now, yeah. Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. When the mountain off the back, you in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a double. This the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I roll the seas. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, Al Jermaine Sterling. It ain't shit, it ain't shit. Motherfucker. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly Scraps episode 144. UFC 266 is in the books, and I'm sure you guys already know the news. I'm out of the fight for UFC 267, which was supposed to take place next month in Abu Dhabi, uh, October 30th against Pierre Jan, a rematch. I've been getting a lot of heat for this, and and on the other side, I've been getting some kind of support from the the reasonable people, the reasonable fans that understand what the training is like and having this type of surgery that I had. Um, the doctor said I could be back before a year because most people, this was the thing. People were saying, oh, it's going to be longer than a year. You should strip him because anyone that sits out longer than a year, you're supposed to strip him. That is true. But the doctor said I can be back before a year. I tried to come back in six months. I won in October, uh, December, sorry. And I was told that this uh, October 30th would have been the date. Um, I was hoping for the end of uh, December, actually, like before Christmas kind of thing or the end, because sometimes I know they do like a New Year's card kind of thing. Not New Year's, but like right before, like at the end of the year, like a big bang kind of a card for the end of the year. So I was hoping to be on something like that. So I'd have as much time as possible to still keep it within this year and still under 12 months. Long story short, I made a post and... It's just fascinating because I have documentation from all the sparring sessions and obviously training with Marab is a different animal in terms of the cardio. So it's a lot of up and down, getting taken down, getting a takedown, uh, trying to hold him down, then going from squeezing and holding to punching. It's a lot. So to go through that while Marab is pretty much peaking for his fight against Marlon Marais um, puts me in a weird spot to try to really gauge where I was at. Um, even with training with other people, I was still having the same issue. So I knew it was either a combination of overtraining and the surgery. Cause as soon as I was told like the date was going to be moved up to October, I left Vegas, went back home to start training camp in New York where I am now and tried to ramp up training as much as I could. And my body just wasn't cooperating. You know, I would do the same stuff I was doing before and I just couldn't make it through the sessions. And what was real the telltale when I was struggling to do, to do pull-ups and everything, uh, for this one, it's not that I couldn't do pull-ups, but when I would do my static holds where I do this thing to help with like the squeezing strength, which is why I've been able to squeeze my opponents the way I have in the past with my legs, my arms. But for this particular exercise, it's working on the upper body. Um, I do three levels. I hold it for about 20 seconds up top. Um, on the pull-up bar, then I go like a little bit lower and then I ease down to like a little bit of a hang and not a dead hang because I still want to have some tension using my biceps and my forearms to still get a burn, but in different um, parts of the muscle kind of thing and try to hold it for, for a minute. And I was struggling to even get 20 seconds. And that let me know. And that was after a day off. So Sunday was off, Spar Saturday. Did a little bit of PT work afterwards, took Sunday completely off. And then to come back Monday, fresh start of the week, and I still couldn't recover and it's not like my sleep has never been the greatest. I get anywhere between five to six and a half hours average 
um, maybe six hours, you can say that I usually get. So that's been the same, but I just haven't been able to get past this threshold, which has just been super weird. And obviously knowing that you're fighting in five and a half weeks at that point, And I told the guys at my house and I said, listen, man, I'm just going to have to go out there and wing it. I was like, I committed to the fight. And then they were like, but you, you don't have to do that. You can pull out and take more time. And I was like, I know, but I know if I do the amount of backlash I'm going to get as if I was the guy who asked for October, I didn't ask to, to move up the date. You know, I accepted the date because I just didn't want any type of, I didn't want no one to be mad at me long to cut it as clean cut and dry. I didn't want no one to be mad at me um, in terms of the boss's side, but I was actually relieved to talk to them in person and then see that they were more understanding than I thought they would have been. I thought I was going to get a little bit of like, um, heat, but it's Sean Shelby does jujitsu has herniated this that actually had him pretty much stop training and he understands what I was going through and he understands that it, it does need more time. So that made me feel a lot more comfortable with the decision that I still want to get try to get through this week. I brought out Adrian Giannis, he's out here right now, um, upstairs watching Netflix uh, with Pumi, but um, I want to get through this week and see how I do with him. In terms of a cardio session, obviously he's more stand-up than he is grappling. Um, Rob is going to come back to do some training as well, and I want to get a gauge. And I want to see if I can possibly convince the doctors to let the fight continue if, if it was a matter of overtraining. I took three days off, kind of like a th- almost four days, because that third that third day I took off, and then I came back Wednesday to work with Marab. It was very, very light. We kind of just play sparred a bit so he can sweat, lose weight, have a body to punch and beat up, and I was kind of just had my headgear on, throwing a couple punches, a couple kicks, giving him some Marab's look, the level changes, the pivots, the double jabs, um, the big hooks and stuff like that, so I'm doing that, and it was a light workout on a Wednesday. That's pretty much all I did um, in shadow box, so it was kind of like four days off. Thursday, I felt phenomenal. I went and sparred. I got through the three rounds with another guy, Shane Shapiro, um, who's just starting his training camp, 55-pounder, a lot bigger than him, stronger, um, wrestler, jiu-jitsu, black belt. And I got a really good idea of where I was at with him. But again, he's just starting training camp. So this is going to be the real week to let me know where I am physically. And if I feel like I can go, I'm going to try my best to, to, to make this fight go through because I would rather fight before a year before the year end Instead of having to wait even longer, I had the surgery. I was out for for pretty much exactly a year. I think like 363 days, um, June 8th to June 6th was my return against Pedro Munoz um, to, to Corey Sanhagen. I don't want to wait that long again. It's a long layoff. When you finally feel like you're getting in a groove, you, you want to kind of keep the momentum going. You know, when you start to feel that familiarity in the octagon, you know, so... I'm hoping I could do that. And again, I have to make sure that I am being honest to myself and not trying to rush in to make the fans happy who don't give a shit about me anyway, that I'll call me a paper champ. Motherfucker, you can call me whatever you want. I got, I think I got the second most wins in UFC history. You can say whatever you want at the band and weight division. So the people that want to talk their shit, I've done what I've done in this sport already, you know? So to tell me that I don't earn it or I'm a fake fighter, uh, it, it really makes no sense to me. I mean, you got Uriah Faber at 17 total fights in the, in the Bantamweight division. I have 14. TJ Dillashaw was 16. So come on, guys. What like what are we actually talking about here? Uh, TJ Dillashaw wins 13. Um, I'm here at 11 in the Bantamweight division. I do have 12. The reason why one of them doesn't count is because I fought Henning Barat at a catch weight of 140. It's not my fault that it wasn't um, at the Bantamweight division. But again, I've done so much for this division, so no one can really ever tell me shit because 
I know what I I know what my worth is. I know the time I put in, and uh, it's been a lot of long, hard years. And I feel I would be doing myself a disservice to go back in there and be another shell of myself and not give the fans the performance, or not even the performance, the fight that they deserve to see. Two guys, top of the division, at their best, and find out who the fuck is the better guy. That's all I want. I don't give a shit about all the other stuff. I don't have any animosity against Peter. I just think he's a fucking... I just think he's stupid. I think he's a dirty fighter. And that's it. Uh, we're going to fight regardless. And after that, that's the end of it. And I guarantee... Like I said, I, t- I told Sanhagen in person because I said, I think you're going to be the one getting the fight. He kind of kind of gave me like a little bit of a, a yes. Um, I believe it's going to be him if he can make the weight. I don't know what the contractual agreement is going to be. But if he can, he's going to be fighting for the interim title. Um, I don't think it's any secret because TJ Dillashaw's shows out. Oh, just having surgery. He's not going to be ready in time. Um, and I told him, I was like, good luck to you. I think you're going to school him. You're going to make him look silly because of your footwork. And, I, and I'm telling this to his face. I said, the only thing that annoys me about this whole thing is I really want to be the first guy to beat P.O. Dayan so that people can't say anything to me when I beat him after kind of thing, you know? Because, again, I told him, we are going to fight again at some point. It's got to happen. It just has to. Point blank, cut and dry. Before I retire, I'm fighting that motherfucking Muppet head again. It just has to happen. Um, And, again, win or lose, I don't care about that. It's about the performance for me. It's always been about the performance. I always like to go out and wear my heart on the sleeve, and I fight my ass off as best as I can. And uh, that's it, man. That's all I can ever ask for. Go out there. And be passionate about it. I love to train. I love to compete. And that's it, man. The only part about this sport that ever sucks is when you're hurt. And if you have to take a trip to the hospital. Other than that, it's fun to like let loose and and, and express yourself when you're in the octagon, you know? So that's what I'm hoping to do. And uh, it is what it is. I wish Corey best of luck. Obviously, I wish Piotr Jan is best of luck. It's catch-22 for me because I would like to fight Piotr again. But I think I'm going to be having a rematch with Sanhagen. Because I do think he's just going to... Be on, like, what's Jan going to do? Try to wrestle him? Oh, he took you down and you're the wrestler. Dude, if you really count those as takedowns, him tapping my foot and me getting swept out. Like I said, the the floor was slippery and I've never been taken down like that a day in my life. And for me to be lethargic like that and just be falling all over the place, I mean, anyone could have looked like a world beater against me that day. Anybody. So if that's your measuring rubric to think that he can do that to Jan, okay. I mean, to to Sanhagen, that's... uh, we're, we're going to see, you know, um, I know it's only five and a half weeks. I uh, hopefully Corey has been trained before that. I think he's one of those guys who does stay in the gym. Uh, he doesn't get relatively too heavy. So I think it's going to be a good fight in uh five, five and a half weeks to prepare. I, I think that's plenty enough time, especially for a guy who's always in shape, you know, so it is what it is. Now let's get to the UFC 266 phenomenal card, man. Uh, I didn't get to watch all the fights, but the highlights that I did get to see, super cool fights, especially the main event, Volkanovski versus Ortega, gave us everything that we could, we could ask for. Um, there's obviously going to be lull in the action when guys are going after each other, piecing each other up, it, and kind of trying to figure out where you want to go. You can't be constantly swinging the entire time, but it was a fight that had us like kind of almost on the edge of our I would say had us on the edge of our seat pretty much the entire time, not knowing what's going to happen, especially the moments where Ortega locked up a, a tight-ass guillotine then transition to mount and still had the guillotine. And then he gets out of the, the guillotine, gets out of the mount. He takes him. I think he takes him down again or he's on his back. And then he ends up in a in a triangle. The transition was so slick. And T-City, he cut the angle. He had the shin. I thought that was dead to rest. I don't know how in the 
I don't, I'm trying not to curse as much. I already did a couple times already. I don't know how the hell Volkanovski got out of there, but that is just crazy. The fact that he did that just shows his heart, shows his toughness, and it shows he is the real deal, man. That was the one thing we were worried about if, for Volkanovski. And when I say we, I'm not literally like me and him, but um, I think as the fan base was wondering, like, can he defend any Ortega-like submissions, the ones we've seen him hit on Cub Swanson where he latched onto him like a spider monkey and was not letting go of that neck, you know, just clawed on. When he jumped on Frankie Edgar with the, the KL knockout, Hanato Moicano came back with that. The guillotine, it's just... Ortega is a gamer. When the tough gets going and looks like he's going to be out of there, he comes back and he shines bright. But for Volkanovski to go out there and prove the people wrong, even though he was a favorite, I don't know why he kept saying he was the underdog. He was a favorite coming into this fight. Um, I don't know if maybe the media was projecting him as that, but Vegas had him as the favorite for the odds. So I, I don't know what that was really up about. But um, yeah. So Volkanovski, I thought he looked good. Very... Um, He's, he's a worthy champion, Twenty, I think a 20-fight win streak at this point, and I think he's going to be tough to beat. I know that whole thing with him and Sayudo, I do think that is an actually interesting fight because of the size. Um, I do think Volkanovski should win that, though, but but Sayudo's a gamer, man. Uh, I think Volkanovski is obviously going to hit way harder, but I think Sayudo is, is a tough out for anybody, and he may be a small guy, but he ha- he's a smart intelligent fighter and i think he figures out a way to kind of game plan or when the tough gets going he's he's tough enough to bite down on his mouthpiece and just go um we've seen that with the marlon marais fight we've seen that with the dominic cruz fight uh strategical chopping down the legs he's just a smart overall fighter um i know he gets a lot of crap but for all the talking he does but i think he's as legit as they come does that do i think he deserves to come back and just jump the line and jump right into that not necessarily, but if there's no other contenders that's clear-cut right now, because obviously Yair Rodriguez is going to fight uh, Max Holloway come November, I think it is, or December, I think November, uh, you could potentially make that fight in between and make it happen. I don't know. There's, I think there's money to be made there, you know? There's possibly money to be made for a chance to promote a quadruple C, which will really be a triple C for MMA, which would be really crazy, but... Uh, anything's possible, man. You, you never know. Uh, next up, again, I just want to say congrats to Volkanovski. Those guys, those guys did their homework. And Ortega's walkout was actually badass. It was pretty dope. The purge, the mask, and everything. I actually got a little um, piece of that. Um, Valentina Shevchenko, Lauren Murphy, great fight for Valentina. As always, she comes out like she says. Her p- opponents always feel confident coming in, and then it's like as soon as the fight gets going and they figure out that they can't, they realize. That they can't get going what the game plan was or do what they thought they were going to be able to do. That's when things start to go south for them really, really quickly. And this was no different. I've, I had a funny feeling about this one saying like Lauren Murphy, even though I'm still betting on Shachenko, I just felt like she was going to make it interesting. I was completely wrong. And that just goes to show the dominance of Shevchenko. I just felt like Lauren had like a confidence about her, like an aura about her that just seemed very refreshing like she see like i feel like her past fights she makes them ugly she finds a way to win and she's gritty enough that it's like maybe she's got something that we don't know that maybe we should be more on about and valentina shut all that talking down she shut all that down and show why she is the most dominant i think woman's fighter female fighter right now in my personal opinion all of mma i think in just mma as a whole she's probably one of the most dominant fighters out there next to maybe a usman um i mean obviously you got john jones but he's no longer the champ but you can still say say that 
for the argument, but um, obviously Shevchenko is getting finishes constantly on a consistent basis. I think that's a little bit different than, you know, winning a fight by decision. So it's a little bit different, you know, so I, I would have to argue that she's probably one of, if not the most dominant champion out there right now. Next to Amanda Nunez, um, like I said, Usman, I'm trying to think if anybody else is getting finishes like that out the wazoo, but I can't really think of anybody. Um, but amazing performance from Valentina. The next one, Robbie Lola versus Nick Diaz. Now, I wasn't going to come out for after Marab's fight. I was just going to go back to the hotel, hang out after Marab did all his interviews. But I was like, this is the one time that Diaz is actually live in person and he's back from retirement or his suspension. Maybe this is an opportunity where I could get to watch him because I may not ever have this chance again. And I thank God that I bought an outfit um, even though I was just like, whatever about it. And then I kind of just like, you know, I thought about, I was like, maybe I'm never going to get this opportunity again. And I got the chance to go out there and watch him compete. The walkout was cool. The energy in the arena was dope. It was just like one of those things you can't really draw up. You know, you kind of have to be in the environment to kind of see what that feels like. Um, so I was really pumped up about that to, to have the opportunity. Um, and, and get to watch a legend. Two OGs at that, Robbie Lawler and, of course, uh, Nick Diaz. So that was cool. It seemed like Diaz obviously wasn't in the best of shape, you know, to go down to 170 and ask for 185. I think there's a couple things going on in that scenario. Uh, but he was looked like he was really slow. But then he'll pick up the speed on his punches and put a little bit more pop on it, go into the body and stuff like that. Robbie Lawler came out, vintage Robbie Lawler. And he said the same thing at the end. He said he thanks Nick because he woke up something inside of him that Yo, that was like scary Robbie Lawler that comes after you. That was the boogeyman, Robbie Lawler, who gets up out of bed to really hurt people. And sure enough, when he dropped him, it was a weird punch because it looked like, it couldn't tell that I hit the chin. I thought it was a temple, but it caught the chin. Diaz kind of froze and he hit him again and he kind of just dropped to his back, kind of just waited to try to wave him in. And then he, Robbie was like, you know, all fired up, get up, tell him to get up, walk, walk the way, turn his back. Diaz wouldn't get back up, and eventually, uh, I think it was Jason Herzog had to call the fight. I thought he was going to do a little bit more like, hey, if you don't get up, I'm going to have to stop this fight. I don't know. Maybe I didn't hear it, but I was so in like involved in the action. Like, yo, you just see Robbie Lawler? He just turned his back to him and told him to get up. Like, it's badass shit, man. That's why we watch the fights. It's just cool to see stuff like that because obviously it's a fight. Obviously, it's a sport. And I think that's what we we love because we all get that. We know what it feels like to be in that position or to be the person um, on top or bottom kind of thing. Like you're either the bully or you're getting bullied. And I don't want to say bully. You're either the you're either the one winning or you're the one losing. You know, because I, I I think the term bully can make it a little make it sound a little weird. You know. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I felt about that. Like, you know what it is to win a fight. You know what it is to be dominating a fight. You know what it is to be the guy that's the the, the person that's losing the fight. And I think that's what Robbie Lola was like invoking that like emotion in us. And it was pretty dope to see, man. Because like I said, two OG guys. You you want both guys to win, but you know the best man has to win. And um, for that night, it was Robbie Lola. I don't think they're gonna do a trilogy. I I hope they don't. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Um. But yeah, that was a, that was fun to be able to watch that and be in that environment with uh, a DS brother. Six uh, nine showed up with no shirt on, took his shirt off. It was actually the most funniest thing. He, he had on these shorts that were like twelve inches long, and he had them all the way down by like his thighs, where you, all you see was his 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 boxers, his ass was out there the entire time. I'm just like, I don't get why people wear shorts like that. Just get like either get bigger shorts so you could sa- so they could look baggier or Maybe not as big, but get bigger shorts. 
I don't know, so you don't have to sag as much. Literally, your whole butt cheek. If someone went behind you and just pull your 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 boxes down and pants you, that it's kind of crazy. I I think it's just like a weird thing. That I, I don't know why we. I don't want to say we, but why? But kind of we. Um, it's not everybody, obviously, but in the hood, it's like, why is it like promoted to to wear your boxes and wear your boxes out and to wear your pants down like that, man? Like. I, I would never, ever understand it. And I'm not saying I didn't do it. I was definitely um, fooled into thinking that that was the cool thing to do. And then people would tell me that people, why people wear their boxes like that, um, pants like that in jail to let people know that they were like somebody's or they were available or that they were um, a homosexual kind of thing. And once I learned that, I was like, maybe I'll sag just a little bit so I can still be like cool with the kids and still not be... Um, too available because <laughs> I didn't want to give off any type of signs like that. Obviously, I didn't go to jail or anything, but knock on wood, but I just didn't want to give off that energy, so to speak. But whatever, that's a whole nother conversation. On Curtis Blades beats Rosinho. Um, one thing I will say about this fight, I think Curtis Blades reminds me of myself when I first started in the UFC. A little worried about the striking and it's understandable, but I think after so many fights for him, he should be at a point where he should know himself and be comfortable where he's taking guys down and looking to actively finish the fight. Where I think sometimes when I watch him, it almost seems like he's just trying to win. And I think that's where he gets in trouble, where he takes these damaging shots, where if he could just get these guys out of there a little bit faster or put a little bit more stank on those shots. I think he's a dangerous opponent for anybody in this division. At the heavyweight division, I really do think that. I think he has to really look at what he's doing and see what he could do to change that up because he's 15 and three. He's only 30 years old. I know he had that two nasty, three knockouts to um, Curtis Blades to Francis Ngannou. I think he lost to him twice. Um, yeah, Dr. Stoppage was one. The other one was punches. So I don't know if it was two knockouts or not. And then obviously the Derek Lewis one. But yeah, I just think that he, he could do a little bit more in those situations and really propel himself and, and strike the fear in other fighters that like, hey, man, it's a fight. Anything can happen. But if I get taken down, I'm not just going to be laid on. I'm going to get punished. And I think that's the mindset he has to change and not go reckless. But look at like a fight like Marab when he took the guy down, short punches, short punches, get the guy uncomfortable, make him open up. When he starts to open up, you start to look to tee off. When you can, they start to get up, you look to put them back down. Khabib style, Marab style. Even if some of my old fights were where, where I'm looking to ground and pound the guy and I'm dropping elbows and smashing back fists. And, you know, so it, you have to understand those scenarios like a Islam Makachev. And, my, and these guys aren't like crazy ground and pound guys like uh, Makachev, but. Um, but when they take guys down, there is a fear when you're down there that you can't just hang out. You know what I mean? So uh, good performance for Blades. I just think his next evolution is going to be to to make that next step in order to get to that next level in that in that division. Because I think obviously we know he's susceptible to being knocked out, but it's the heavyweight division. All those guys can. It can happen to any of those guys. But I think after it happened a couple of times, it might either be in his head or maybe he's just on a little bit of the smaller side for that for that weight class. Again, it's just for a heavyweight wrestler to know you're going to have to go to 15 minutes every single time. That's a tough fight style to have at that division where one shot could literally end the fight just like the Derek Lewis one. And I'm not trying to take anything away from his performance. It's a little 
criticism on my part that I think could be used positively for him and to figure out which ways he can open up or review the tape and see where he could have postured up or changed something up and go back into the room, start in that same position and, and work on those spots of what he can do to feel comfortable, feel safe, but still feel dangerous. Like I'm here and you are in legitimate danger in this position. Uh, we got Sadiq calling me right now. I'm gonna have to call him back. Jessica Andrade, I didn't get to watch all this fight. So like I said, I'm going to have to go watch that back. But again, let's talk about our guy, Marab Dvalishvili. Phenomenal performance. Got hurt, came back, weathered the early storm from all Marais. And that's what we said. He knew. It was funny because all fight week he was saying like, we wa- he was watching his tape and he was like, man, not all fight week, like the last two days. And he was like, because um, that's when I was there at the hotel. He goes like, man, this guy's a dangerous fighter, a dangerous fighter. I was like, before I was thinking like, you know, just get him tired, no problem. And now I'm watching his tapes. I'm like, man, he's he's good, man. He's good. I'm like, nah, bro. I was like, bro, 100%. Marlon is tough. He's a tough fight for anybody because he's so dangerous early on and he can end the fight just like that. Magic Marlon Marais. But what I always said about him is it's like, I just don't think he can go the distance. So you don't show that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to do it because I paid him the respect and I paid dearly for that but um so you don't show the blueprint um Sanhagen showed that he was just a better striker because he knew how to use the range a lot better and uh, I think that was a little different but then Rob Font showed it again he got tired after one grappling session I do think that's a little bit of him coming back too fast and then Rob Font hitting hard as hell hard as hell and it cracked him <laughs> um, after they got back up and Marlon shook, shook his arms out. Even in the beginning of the fight with him and Rob, he shook his arms out almost like he knew. He was like, yeah, I got to make sure I'm loose and ready to go for this because this this might get crazy. But that's pretty much what happened, man. He, he goes out there. He looks phenomenal for two and a half, three minutes. And he looks dangerous. And he is dangerous. But I think if you can weather that early storm like Marab did, you know, thank God um, the ref was good. Keith Peterson, Marab told him in the back, was like, I'm ready to die in here. Let me go out on my shield pretty much is what he said in the back room. I know, you know, he's a dangerous opponent, but I want to make sure I fight and give me every chance to fight. And Keith Peterson allowed him to do that, you know, because they could have anyone else could have probably jumped in there and stopped that fight prematurely. Um the guy got up. He was covering up when he had to cover up. He swung back when he could, when he had to swing back to show like he's still trying to fight, not just defending the whole time or didn't know where he was. He showed some cognizance in there. And then eventually he was able to get the clinch. And from there, seeing Marlon not even try to fight their hands and get out of there so he could continue what he was doing, show that he was deflated after that. And that's when the beginning of the end came around. Took him down with that body lock, stepped behind, took him over the knee. And from there, it was the beginning of the end. Marab landed about 170 unanswered strikes and before Keith Peterson uh, called a stop to the fight. Beautiful performance for Marab. He's going to get a big jump up this week. I, I'm interested to see where they put him at. I think they got to put him at five or six. Um, I don't know where Marlon goes from here. You know, he's such a great dude. Like, I, I've I've talked to him in person. Marab and I have talked both talking to him in person. We like Ali and everything. And... It's tough to see how this guy was on top of the world one day and then the next minute you're, you're kind of not. And that just goes to show you how crazy this sport can be. It's a roller coaster of emotions, man. And I never wish that on anybody. You know, I always want people to have as much success as they can possibly have. And uh, that's three in a row for him. But it's not like he's lost to, to bums or anybody like that. You know, he had a split decision on win over Jose Aldo with a fight that could have honestly went either way. I thought Aldo edged it out, but it could have went either way. Then you got Sanhagen. Rob Font, now Marab Dvalishvili, showing that we have two of the best bantamweights in the world in one gym under one roof. And I think that's pretty dope, pretty badass. Um, other than that, 
Really, I just want to highlight a couple of fights. Chris Dawkins, nasty KO. Um, Dan Hooker coming back. He had a couple of hard shots that, that didn't look like Dan was wearing it well, but he implemented the wrestling. And to see him come back and get a big win that he's, you know, much needed. I always said the fight with Michael Chandler was a weird one because it comes off of losing, beating Paul Felder, well, having the Iaquinta fight, um, losing, beating Paul Felder, and then losing to Dustin Poirier. Poirier and Felder, back to back wars. I could see him going into that Chandler fight thinking like, let's not get into a crazy, ridiculous fight again. And maybe he wasn't even thinking about that. But maybe he was thinking, I got to be as strategical as possible where Chandler was just like, I don't give up. I'm, I'm throwing the kitchen sink. And when I touch something, I'm looking to hurt some. And that's what happened in that fight with him and, and Chandler. I think if they were to fight again, it's a different approach where Dan Hooker in this fight was actually going forward, using his range, but being more aggressive, controlling the range. I do think he took a couple shots that he didn't need to take. And maybe his sparring with uh, Stylebender might be an, an issue, just that size difference, taking those type of shots in training. I don't know how hard he's being hit, but I saw some clips on YouTube and it looks like they'd be banging, bro. So a smaller guy taking shots like that from a bigger guy, I don't think that's ever good for the brain cells. Um, and I don't, obviously, clearly getting hit in the head, but I don't think it's ever good for that weight discrepancy for a lighter guy to be sparring with a big guy. And just cause you're doing it in the room, prove you're tough. I, I don't think that does anything for you. Um, and it's just good. Like I said, I think he's a good dude. It's good to see him get a big win. And I'm hearing that the city of kickboxing team is coming out to the States because of all the crazy shenanigans going over in Australia and New Zealand. They're, they're over in New Zealand. I don't blame them. It, it, that is a ridiculous way to try to treat your people. And I do hope that people band together and take a stand for that, man. Like, there's only so much that you should allow the government to take from you, um, especially when there's so many more of you. You know, I'm not saying go start shooting people and stuff like that. I would never condone that. But I do think uh, basic liberties of life should be honored in all countries, not just the United States. And that's why I think our state, our country gets so much, like, heat. Um because people think we're spoiled and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, and I would agree. I think we get a lot of luxury in terms of what our country allows us to do and say outspokenly. And other countries can't do that. So I get that from that standpoint. But it's a basic necessity of life. I think it should be like that all across the board. It shouldn't be somebody telling you what time you should be doing this or what time you should be doing that, what you have to do. Like that gets kind of crazy. That's that's not is that really a, a is that really a good life when you have to abide by all these rules. That's not really keeping anyone safe. It's just at some point it gets to a point where it's, I'm just physically telling you what you can and can't do. And there's nothing you could do about it. I can understand if it's, a, it's not affecting the quality of life. It is not like abusive or anything like that. That's fine. That's why I'm okay with a lot of stuff that goes on in our country. But it does get to a point where push comes to shove, you know. So um, it's a tough spot, you know. But um, it's going to be interesting to see where they set up shop. I think it might be Texas. I think it might be, I don't think California because I think there's so much money for them to to end up having to shell out just to set up a proper spot, but it'd be close enough to New Zealand and close enough to uh, Australia. So maybe Texas or Nevada. I could see Nevada. I think that'd be smart in terms of no income tax in either Texas or Nevada. Um, Jalen Turner looked good against Euros Medic. I got to go watch that fight, but I only watched the clips, uh, like the last minute where he was just pouring it on Medic and... Dude, he looked like a world beater. I was like, dude, that this guy is badass. And this, I saw Dana White's tweets, now you know. And I was like, yeah, man, that guy was no joke. I just, like I said, I got to go back and watch this whole card because there's a lot of fun fights, um, some finishes. I got And my DraftKings 
um, odds boost of the week. I won. Uh, so hopefully you guys took that bet. Maximov and uh, Curtis Blaze, both guys got the W. So that plus 170 bet. Um, hopefully you guys cashed out on that. All right. So I'm going to get ready for the rest of the day. Uh, try to do another podcast for this weekend's fights. But I just want to just, um, share some love for my guy, my teammate, Marab. Um, hopefully I get to fight, defend the title, um, defend it a couple times, and then let him get his his crack at, at the belt. We're going to figure it out because um, I don't think he's losing to anybody anytime soon. I really do think we are two of the best guys in this division. Um I think if people got to see our training sessions, they would think like they they would understand why we can both comfortably say that. And uh, I try to be super technical where Marab is just more like the Marauder, where he's just like trying to just run through it. And eventually you're going to break. It's kind of like, um, uh, damn, what's his name again? Um, Thompson, Thompson, the, the halfback. Um, but whatever. I can't I'm drawing a blank. He has the dreads. Uh, damn, I'm going to be so mad that I butchered this. Now let me look. Um, over and over. Yeah, dang, football player. Beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, yes. Um, it's like him when he's saying like that one interview he did, he goes, uh, I'm just going to run through him over and over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually he's just going to not want to get up. He's like, I'm just going to be there over and over and over and over and over. And I'm like, yo, that's last, that's Marab. That is honestly 110% Marab. And um, he just doesn't stop. The guy trains year round. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. Um, he has his other vices. Um, but he lives a very healthy, clean life. And uh, a guy like that is uh, a scary dude, you know? So I think um, we're going we're gonna to have to figure out what we're going to do sooner rather than later. Because um, I obviously want to give him a shot to become world champion, make some extra life-changing money, and set himself up for life kind of thing. And this is just me honestly knowing what, what it is. You know, everyone gets into the sport to become a champion. And... Um, I don't plan on fighting for much longer. So I think by time I do what I do, it's going to be already done. And he'll get his, his crack to to do what he wants to do. Um, maybe I'll go up a weight class. Maybe he'll go down a weight class. Uh, maybe he'll wait around a little bit. We'll see. But one thing for certain, I definitely have no intention of staring Marab in the eyes across the octagon. I have no plans or intentions of ever doing anything like that. You know, for him, for me, I feel like we're like, we're family. We're, that's like a brother to me. You know, I feel like I've helped him a ton over the years to get to where he's at. And I feel like he's helped me a ton of, um, over the years to get to where I'm at in terms of the cardio. And I felt like from a technical standpoint, I've helped him. And I feel like for the pace and the bodies and giving me the extra work, you know, that was him for me. So I feel like Ying washes, like one hand washes, one hand washes the other. Um, Ying and Yang, man, you know, so, he always tells me, like, even after this fight uh, with Marlon, he comes to the back room. He goes, bro, this is like, you know, he's not saying it like bragging. He's like, bro, this is nothing like when we sparring. This is nothing. It's very different. You know, when we sparring, you know, and I go with these guys, I feel like every, like I might get hurt, but I feel like everything is like, you know, it's easy. It's easy. I'm like, yeah, man. I feel like the same way when I go out there after doing a whole training camp with him, I feel like I'm primed and ready to go. I feel like there's no one that's going to be able to keep the pace that we're keeping in a room. When I'm training for the Yan fight and I'm doing five rounds, I'm doing three with Marab or two with Marab and I'm using two other bodies. 
I'm in shape. And if I could go through Marab and go with two other guys or even one other guy, I'm in shape. You know, so it's a, it's 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 been a good healthy relationship, and I'm excited for him, and and uh, I'm glad he got the bonus. You know, it's get some extra money for that. It's always a good thing, extra money in your pockets. Um, so we're gonna get some training tonight. Marab comes home today earlier this morning. He said it was a red eye, so he might show up, and uh, you know he's gonna get the hero's welcome, and um, Guarma Joba. And we're going to get some training in. I got Giannis, Adrian Giannis out here, another UFC bandweight from Texas, Houston. Uh, he's going to be training with us for the week. We got some work in this morning, some drilling, wrestling, and um, some striking drills, too. Then I did some PT work. He got on the, the, the treadmill. Um, and we got some grappling tonight. So, again, I want to try to see where I'm at and see if there's any way I could possibly keep this fight together. Because I would much rather fight this year instead of having to wait for the turnaround because I know Sanhagen and Jan if those guys are matched up it's going to be a barn burner of a fight and I do think for them the turnaround for December is going to be really really tough and if they did she sign me up um, so as always guys if you like my shit subscribe to my shit let's spin it back this baby oh that's the show I'll see you guys later peace you ain't gotta go home but you gotta get to stepping and remember we bring the noise because the people want the funk. Until next time, this is the Weekly Scraps. Bye-bye.